Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies. Held on select Fridays in May, each film touches upon artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, kicking off with Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro on May 10th at nortonsimon.org. Support for Alaist comes from Visual Communications, presenting VC Film Fest, celebrating 40 years of Asian and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander filmmaking, with over 200 films May 1st through 10th. Info at festival.vcmedia.org. It's Film Week on LAist 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. The comedy fantasy Poor Things is Oscar-nominated in 11 categories, including Best Picture, Director, Actress, Supporting Actor, and Adapted Screenplay. It's the coming-of-age story of young Bella brought to life with an infant's brain by a brilliant and unorthodox scientist. Played by Willem Dafoe, by the way, who was with us a few weeks ago on Film Week. Let's listen to a selection from Poor Things before we talk with its screenwriter, Tony McNamara. In this scene, young Bella runs off with worldly lawyer Duncan Wedderburn, played by Mark Ruffalo. They cross the continents in their whirlwind romance, but the more Bella experiences, the more she has questions about those around her, including Wedderburn. These two are fighting, and ideas are banging around in Bella's head and heart like lights in a storm. Oh. You're always reading now, Bella. You're losing some of your adorable way of speaking. I'm a changingable feast, as are all of we. Apparently, according to Emerson, disagreed with by Harry. Come, come, just come. You were in my son. What? Uh, That uh, scene from Poor Things, a much Oscar and critically appreciated film. Joining us is the nominee for Best Adapted Screenplay, the writer of Poor Things, Tony McNamara. He adapted the script from a novel by Alastair Gray. Tony McNamara, welcome to Film Week. Hi, thanks for having me. Congratulations on your second Oscar nomination. You were also nominated for Best Original Screenplay for The Favorite, also directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, starring Emma Stone. Describe the way that your work dovetails with the vision of Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, I think we have a very we have a very similar sense of humor and a similar kind of. Uh, sensibility generally i think um you know we're slightly different i guess in a lot of ways but i think he he has a very singular way of looking at the world and directing and he's also like quite a uh fearless director so i think for a writer um he gives you a lot of freedom and you're you're very set free to kind of like not worry about what the the market or any, you know, it's, it's really like, let's just tell this story as kind of as we should as wildly and as entertainingly as possible. And um, so he's sort of great to work with in that way. So we spend a, you know, we spend a lot of, a, a lot of time together and um, we just seem to kind of hit it off in our sensibilities of my script and him being, you know, one of the great directors of the this generation for sure, if not of all time is uh, you know, it's a, it's a great thing. Well, and to paraphrase him, uh, he's making films that that he wants to watch that are his sensibilities and sort of yeah. hopes the audience is is able to appreciate them as well. Is that your approach as a writer? 
Uh, yeah, pretty much. I think that is one of the reasons we get on so well is essentially I'm trying to, essentially I'm trying to entertain myself in my office. Um, and also writes, you know, I'm, I'm aware, like you are as a screenwriter, you are serving an audience and you know that, but on some level it frees you up creatively to not be a slave to that because you can't know what an audience want. You know what gives you joy and you know how to, you know, you kind of test the story on yourself. And um, and I think that is one of the reasons we get on because we are very free in that way. Well, you know, that... Um, that, you know, the audience will come and they'll make what they make of it, but we've just got to make a film that's very honest to ourselves and and kind of just try and make something unique, I guess, each time. You, As an audience member, you feel with Yorgos's films, him pushing to that extreme, uh, not being particularly concerned, well, what are the conventions of films? He'll, he'll blow right past that. And so I, I wonder, in your style as a writer, do you at all temper that, or do you add fuel to that proclivity on his part? <laughs> I think a bit of both. I think... I think a bit of both. I think sometimes we we do a bit of each to each other, um, but no, I think that is our both our ways is to kind of just push it, you know, and not even push it in a. Uh, I think we're never trying to push something other than we want to tell the story as entertainingly as possible. And I know he wants to make a piece of cinema that's interesting to him and that. Uh, is challenging to him that is kind of like what lenses will I use and how do things work and there's a lot of play in it you know there's a lot of experimenting and um, and just kind of playing it's also very methodical like we're very meticulous about the story and making sure it's understandable and making sure we're telling it as well as possible um, but at the same time there's a kind of freedom to how we do it how their process works which I think is why they're sort of pushed the envelope a little bit. We're talking with Tony McNamara, two-time Academy Award-nominated screenwriter uh, for his most recent project. It's the much-acclaimed Poor Things, nominated for 11 Oscars, including Tony for Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, Tony, you adapted uh, the book uh, that I know Yorgos Lanthimos had, had identified as something of interest for him many years ago, even meeting uh, with the novelist uh, when he was still living. And and uh, when you were adapting this, how much freedom did you feel like you had to depart from the original text? Uh, a lot, because... Um... In the original book, it's a very, uh, it's a great book, but it's a lot of it is about Scottish nationalism, which, um, and a lot of Bella, the main character of the film's story, her whole story is told uh, by the men. And so you're never inside her story. You never go on the journey kind of physically with her. You just kind of hear from letters what what they, they think she's happening. And so... Yorgos and, and you know Yorgos wanted to and once I read it I was totally like in agreement we wanted to make the film about Bala and so in, in doing that in itself it it meant we would have to invent because a huge amount because the internal you know because her story from her perspective isn't there in the book um, but lots of the sort of events of you hear about things that happen to her and she writes occasional postcards but that's that's all. So I think we were freed in a way that made it very easy to choose. You know, had a great premise, and then in some things we loved, 
Uh, but then there was a lot of invention, which is sort of what we wanted because we wanted to make a piece of cinema and not kind of like just a representation of the book. We were always trying to make something that was sort of inspired by the book, but it was a very much a movie separate and in its own right. And the third act is a complete departure from the book, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Because we did have a bit more of what the the book was and uh, we didn't, eventually we just didn't like it. And um, it was one of those things, we had it for a little while and and then it was like, oh, we need a completely different view of it. And then it came out of the fact that the new third act was, I think I said, what if she chose to go back to where she came, you know, where the original sort of scene of the piece was and then it became fun you know it became a different ending and then the you know um so yeah it was then we sort of invented the whole story with Alfie and going back there and um all of that kind of stuff which was great because it, it was funny and Chris came in and did an amazing job being a character coming into a movie two hours in and still kind of inhabiting it so perfectly. Uh, we have just short time before we break, and uh, coming up a little bit later, I want to ask you about the dialogue you wrote for Bella, because you begin from first words and take her all the way through adulthood. But but just real briefly, to what extent does your screenplay suggest the elaborate production design we see in the film? Oh, not not to that much, not to what it became. <laughs> I think it suggests we I knew it was a fantasy because Yorgos kept saying that, but I I'm sort of much more responsible for the story and the dialogue and the character. And um there was suggestions of, you know, uh the machine that he has for his stomach and and the and the animals and all of that's in the screenplay. But what Shona and James and Yorgos came up with and Holly in costume was just like another level of fantasy that um, was extraordinary. And that's sort of one of the wonderful things about the film. Everyone's talented and got all this freedom. And, you know, as you say, just kind of becoming, kind of reaching for the sort of stars on what's possible and hoping it all comes together, you know. And I was stunned when Willem Dafoe told me that these were sets, that there's very little CGI that was involved. Yeah. That boggled my my mind. We'll continue our conversation with two-time Oscar-nominated screenwriter Tony McNamara. We're talking with him about Yorgos Lanthimos's Poor Things. We'll be back on Film Week in just one minute. Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center, presenting the world premiere of Mix Mix, the Filipino Adventures of a German Jewish Boy by Boney B. Alvarez. Inspired by true events from the life of Ralph Price. After escaping Nazi Germany, a newfound tropical refuge in the Philippines is upended when Japan invades the islands. On stage through June 16th. Tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org. Support for LAS comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies, held on select Fridays in May. Each film touches upon Spanish artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, including Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro and The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie by Luis Buñuel. Screenings are at 4.30 p.m. on four consecutive Fridays starting May 10th. More information at nortonsimon.org.
It's Film Week on LA's 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle with Oscar-nominated screenwriter Tony McNamara of Poor Things, the Yorgos Lanthimos film, with a total of 11 Oscar nominations. Uh, Tony, let's talk about the dialogue because you have the opportunity here. This may be the only time in your career. You're writing for someone from infancy through adulthood. So what are the ways that you tried to peg the language to her years of development? Yeah, it was one of the big challenges was creating the dialogue for the whole film and creating this sort of mix of contemporary historic, you know, but period feeling dialogue, but also a bit of an absurdist world. But Bella in particular was uh, her dialogue was how you were going to track more or less her development and her the arc of how she was understanding things intellectually. And so it was sort of like going back to the start and thinking, Okay, she doesn't, and she was also not in society much, so she didn't know words. So I knew she wouldn't know words for things, so sometimes she would experience something and just make up the word for it, and as little toddlers did. It probably helped that I had a three-year-old at the time. Perfect. Um, and then and then it was just that. It was like she would add words. So it was an evolution of her dialogue. So it's sort of a, her dialogue changes character sort of, subtly all the time but sort of quite pronouncedly at certain periods especially as she changes location on her sort of trip around the world so it was really like a a real um constant honing of that for a couple of years and then and then in rehearsal with Emma listening to it all with Yorgos and us the three of us kind of working out if there was a word that was too sophisticated in that sentence or she needed a bit, you know, as something that wasn't sophisticated in that because she wasn't there yet. So it was a constant, um, it was just a real, uh, I don't know, effort to kind of, joyful effort to kind of make sure that there wasn't a word out of place that the audience would go, well, she, why does she talk like that now? Like it had to have an incredible mm-hmm. level of consistency, but it also had to feel completely like ad hoc. And made and sort of like just like she was just making stuff up, you know. So that was a big challenge of it. But also, I'm I'm a bit of a dialogue maniac. I love dialogue. I love writing it. And so um, it wasn't. It was a sort of joyful burden. Uh, you've written now uh, screenplays for three films: Emma Stone, uh, Cruella, and The Favorite. In addition to Poor Things. Are you ever thinking of of her as you're writing it or strictly character? Similarly with Willem Dafoe, or, or, you know, as you're writing, and I don't even know how much casting was done at that point as you're writing the characters, but but does the actor uh, come into your mind at all? Uh, not really for me. I think I have a, um, you know, I kind of have a voice for the character. Like in my head, there's a voice for the character. Um and so I don't really think, even if I know it's Emma, like I did on Cruella, I didn't on the favorite or on this until I knew it was Emma very early on this after the first draft. But uh, no, because I think it's just, I know her sensibility and mine tally up anyway. And tonally, we we kind of get each other. But I think as a, as a writer, I've always just heard dialogue. I think that's why I say I like dialogue so much because I, I, hear, I hear it said you know, and it has a tone and it has all that. And so for me, it's, uh, I don't really, I just um, then find out who's going to do it and 
you know, I'm grateful and well, I hope it works. And this had to be a, an exciting challenge because you're writing something that's in period, but you're trying to make it relevant uh, and and the humor come through to a modern audience. So that must that must have been kind of fun to come up with the type of expressions and language that you wanted to to be featured. Yeah, I think it's it's really fun. It's something I you know I did it on the great and the favorite a little bit. It's uh, it's fun because you're kind of trying to construct. I knew Yorgos had a big you know this world was going to be very fantastic in a way and so the dialogue had to have a sort of big quality you know it had to be funny and it had to have a sort of fantastic quality it had to speak to the sort of imaginative world imagined world that he was creating so I was sort of aware of that and it being funny and that it had to be period to suggest we we're in that make it real that we we're in that in a period but also I wanted it to have a contemporary spirit and words that let an audience inside it, let a contemporary audience go, oh, I'm experiencing this as if it was me because there's enough, there was nothing in the dialogue keeping you out. It was sort of bringing you in. You uh, have to have a great deal of of uh, faith in, in your words as you've written them, but then you never know how an actor is going to read those lines, what they're going to bring to it. So what's it like for you when you see Mark Ruffalo with the comedic, chops that he brought to this, which, you know, probably surprised a lot of people to see what he brought to that character uh, or or the, the pathos that Defoe brings to God, that character. What's that like for you to see it happening? Oh, it's sensational. That's like when you're a writer and you walk into the rehearsal room and, you know, Emma, Mark, Willem, Rami, you're just like, well, it's a, it's a dream come true. I mean, it's sort of like um, because you just get to hear these words and they're so, A, they're all, they're all incredibly lovely people, but also they're just such great artists and you get to watch them play with it and you get to see it work because partly because they're brilliant, partly because it works. Um, and, and it's just a great feeling to know that you gave them something as well. It's like your job to give them something great to say. And so, and that works and lets them create a character and an arc and and feel like they're being supported by the script. And I feel like that's that's a really great feeling as a screenwriter. You've had an opportunity to write you know so many scripts involving prominent and big personality women. I mentioned uh, the favorite and Cruella and poor things, plus your your series um, that streamed the great on Catherine the Great. So um, are you looking for a change of pace with your next project or is something in line? Um, um, am I looking for a change of pace? No, I'm not necessarily. I don't really think about it that way. I mean, I think the next thing I have is a, is actually a two hander, a, a contemporary comedy, but, um, yeah, I don't mind. I mean, I kind of love, I just see if I, if I really am into a character or yeah, I don't really kind of do it in a conscious way. It's just like, oh, that seems cool. That seems a cool story and a great character and, um, so yeah, it just but, seems like you have such an affinity for strong women characters in the work that you've done. Yeah, I guess so. I don't think of it that. I just think they're great characters. I don't, you know, and I know it, it, it's not that I'm being disingenuous about it. It, it. They are great women characters, and I feel like in 
what you're looking for in a way is as a writer is great obstacles to help your characters rise and be great and kind of have a lot to and I think women in history and women characters often have a huge amount of obstacles and and big stakes with them and have to kind of work extra hard to kind of and kind of create themselves on an epic level to kind of beat some of those obstacles and so I I find that really interesting for characters and they're not perfect and they're not mm-hmm. uh, I you know they're not idealized they're very flesh and blood humans like Bella who's sort of you know she's wonderful and adventurous and optimistic but she's also at times cruel and she's also at times a bit of a brat and you know so I I love characters that are very complex I guess Tony McNamara, thank you so much for talking with us today about Poor Things, uh, your screenplay that's Oscar-nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. We appreciate it very much and look forward to what's coming next and talking with you in the future. You too. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Tony McNamara, two-time Oscar nominee, screenplay of Poor Things, the most recent one. It's Film Week on LAist 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle reminding you that our Film Week Academy Awards preview 22nd annual edition is coming up at the historic Orpheum Theater in downtown Los Angeles. Tickets are available now. All 11 of our Film Week critics will be on stage with me. We'll look at clips from all the Oscar-nominated films, including Poor Things. Tickets at LAist.com slash events. That's LAist.com slash events. From all of us at Film Week, have a great weekend. The LAist Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAist.com sweeps.